0: Um, as we're looking, let me tell you a couple of things today, kind of a little bit about the format for this morning. And what I'd like to do is this: I'm going I'm to talk to you about some things that, that uh, laid out here. But then, if you have questions along the way, you know, feel free to ask. And you know, don't it, I, I don't I'm not worried about like if this is like just go through stuff. In fact, I would prefer if you have questions for you to be able to ask. That we're not going to be chasing a lot of reps. otherwise, we would be here until tonight. So we won't do that. But we're going to just try to look at some things. So does that make sense? Okay, great. So start off with theology of work. <laughs> that's one of those terms. That's, it's always interesting sometimes because, you know, you kind of like, what does this mean? Does it mean we're just going to talk about, like you know, religious jobs or something like that? Honestly, if you start looking at Scripture, one thing the you see, God does not have two categories. He doesn't have like a, a sacred and secular category. He has life. And so, you know, there's not like this job over here, it's like, you know, I'm really into that. God's not like, oh, I really like religious jobs. But those other jobs, no, nah, not so much. You know, no, I mean, every job has some real uh, potential to, uh, to be honoring to God and be a blessing to others. So, start off with theology. Theology is this, the study of the nature of God and his relation to the world and the study of religious belief, practice, and experience. So the question that I want us to look at today is how does a study of God and his relationship to the world inform your belief, your practice, and your experience of work? How does it inform your belief about work, your practice of work, and your experience of work? And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Now, I would tell you this. I was talking to Jack earlier this morning. We were talking a little bit about this, and I said, you know, honestly, for the longest time, I think I uh, approach, I mean, honestly, for probably a decade, I, I would approach work basically looking at it just like anyone else in culture. I think, you know, kind of, you know, oh, you got to go to work. Oh, man, it has got to get up? And it's such a tedious thing. And, you know, and they're just going about, you know, oh, boy, I'll tell you Having this idea, you know, that somewhere out there there's somebody that's enjoying the perfect job and you know and it's not me. And you know, and all this sort of thing. But if only I could get to that job and it would just oh, it would it would totally fulfill me and it would be this and it would be that and all this sort of stuff. Basically the way we approach work most every single day. And yet when you look in God's word, it's very, very different than that. And you begin to find there's a lot of things that if we understand them rightly then the way we think about work and the way we experience it and the way we we go about it when we go to work will really change and it'll be different. So that's what I wanted to look at uh, this morning. The first thing one way um, that work one way that study theology work, one way that it informs your belief is that we realize the value of work the value of work. You know, sometimes people look at work and they think work is like part of a curse. And they think, oh, boy, I'll tell you what, if Adam and Eve hadn't fallen, we wouldn't have to go to work. And I think, no, 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 no. Work is part of your design. It is part of the way God designed you in the very first place. It, it, it's the way he made you. Several reasons for that. One, God is a worker. God is a worker. Jesus said, My Father is working until now, and I myself am working. And so you kind of look at that you think, okay, well, what kind of work is God about? I mean, is it like religious stuff? I mean, what does he do? You know, does he go into like some big temple every day, and that's kind of what God works? What does God do? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Um, one of the things he has on his resume is this Creating from nothing. Now, there's a. There's a theological term for that. It's called ex nihilo. It means he started with absolutely nothing and he created something. Now, we like to think, especially our creative types, we like to think we do that. No. We always start with stuff. Or we start with usually with someone else's ideas. And we build off of those. We don't ever start with nothing. God started with absolutely nothing and created all that is. That is huge. In fact, if you look right here in Genesis um, 1, I basically have all of Genesis 1 and chapter 2 there, uh, uh, part of chapter 2 for you to look at. Um, So you begin to look at that. You begin to see in verse 1 right there, it says, um, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All the things that you began to see as you look around you know, God created those. That was huge. He created he created all sorts of different things. In fact, as you look on, in verse 14 right there on, on, uh, on down, it says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day and the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God simply spoke. Now, I mean, some of you think, well, yeah, if you get to be like CEO, you can do that. You can just simply speak and it gets done. No, no, no. This is different than that. It wasn't like, you know, know, God just, you know, all of a sudden. But just his word, his voice, God spoke and it was done. So God is this worker. God gets things done. if you look on down in verse 20, he says, let the waters team with all sorts of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the expanse of the heavens. Now, when you begin to look around, this is one of the things like Melinda and I were watching this week uh, one night we were over there and we turned on uh, uh, what was it? Planet? Planet? Planet, earth. Planet Earth? Planet Earth. I always wonder how they get that close to the animal. I mean, you know, you kind of want, how do they do that? You know, like this snake, you see the snake on I'm like, Yeah, I'm not getting in there. You know, but, you look know, you at this And you look at all these different varieties of insects and animals and birds. God loves to be creative. I mean, look around the room. He loves to be creative. He loves uniqueness. He created that. I mean, you know, I would have come up with like one kind of insect, okay? And it wouldn't have been like a mosquito. I mean, I would have come up with one. God comes up with thousands and thousands of varieties same thing with plants. You look at all these different kinds of plants and he comes up with plants that are great in desert areas. He comes up with plants that are great in shade areas. and He he comes up with all kind and he comes up with all sorts of different colors and varieties and all sorts of things. He loves to do that. He knocks himself out in being a worker. It's not like God said, well, what's the minimum I can get by with? What can I do? But he instead uses all of the things that are resident within him to create if you go on you look in like verse 26 says again God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let me tell you something there again if you look God loves to display his creativity and his uniqueness now the problem is we're scared to death of that so we like to look like everybody else so we look around, what is everyone else wearing? I'm going to wear that. What is everyone else doing? I'm going to do that. What, what, what is it? And we try to just, you know, fit in with everything else. That's okay culturally sometimes. I mean, there's certain things that you ought to do that are okay. Like people get dressed. You ought to get dressed. You know, I mean, you know, uh, you know people eat with utensils. We, we're glad when you do. Uh, you know, I mean, there's things like that. But it's okay to fill some cultural norms. But the problem is, oftentimes, that we do the same thing whenever we're trying to think about what kind of work should we do. We tend to do the same thing, but we tend to approach it the same way as everyone else. Not understanding God has designed you totally uniquely. And you need, the more you get to understand your identity in him, you begin to understand how your identity impacts you at work as well, and you begin to understand how you do your job is going to be a certain way. Um, now we'll talk more about this in a little bit, but you know, I'm not saying walk into work tomorrow and go, "Boss, I'm a unique individual. I am going to approach work like this." Because then he'll say, "You are a unique individual who no longer works for our company." And uh, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you know there are things that you do that you have to do. But you need to understand more of your design and how God uh, created you. But if you look on down, like in verse 28, it says, God says, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue so it, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on earth. Did you realize that was the one command we were given? And what a, what a command of drudgery be fruitful and multiply. You know, guys are going, Really? Sign me up for that command. I'll tell you what, what a great command. You know, and then you get the rule and you're like, Really? Replenish the earth and rule? Those are two things right up my category. I mean, I love this, you know. And you start looking, you see, when when God is in charge and God is in right relationship with everybody, the things he wants us to do, they are right in our wheel well. You know. Where it gets off kilter is when we think, no, no, I've got a better idea. I've got a better idea than God has. You know, As long as you follow him, it, it stays good. So one of the things he's doing, he creates. He creates for nothing. The second thing he's doing, he is sustaining and caring for his creation. He is sustaining and caring for his creation. In Colossians 1.17, Paul reminds us, he says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So he he is sustained. He's caring for his creation. If you read Psalm 104, you begin to see some things like uh, verse 14. He causes the grass to grow for cattle. Sometimes you're driving like if you go up to five and you start winding through all of the hills right there on your way to northern California. You start looking around. You see all this. It looks like kind of like a carpeted area. You see all this grass. Whoa, that's cool. Who planted all that grass? God. Why? Food for animals. That was exactly what he was doing. He was providing food for animals. You look on in verse 16, it says, The cedars of Lebanon, which he planted, where the birds build their nest. See, we look by a bunch of trees and we think, trees. God looks at him and says, Multifamily housing for birds. Uh, you know, he has a total different way of approaching it than we do. We just we, we look at it kind of changing. In verse 21 right there, he says, The young lions roar after their prey. They seek their food. From where? From God. God is the one who is caring for, he's the one who is sustaining his creation. In verse 27 it says, They all wait for you, speaking of God, to give them their food in due season. You give to them, they gather it up, you open your hand, they are satisfied with good. So God is providing. He is uh, caring for. He's sustaining creation. Another thing he's doing, he's restraining evil. If you want to, well, what else is God doing in the world? He's restraining evil. Um, sometimes, now, I mean, I have friends that, you know, honestly, they're into certain movies. Like, they'll say, oh, I love this movie. It's really scary. And I think, yeah, I'm not into that. Okay, but they're like, I just love this, you know, because you go in there and you won't sleep for a month. And I think, like I need that. (laughs) You know, I think, no. But they love that sort of thing. And part of what you find in movies like that a lot of times is there is some sort of evil that is depicted that kind of gets loose. And then people try to figure out what to do with this evil. And we all kind of look at it and we're like, ah, thank God that's a movie. Bad news, it's not bad news is, you know what? The things that just scare the bejesus out of you when you see those kind of things, that would be called normal life if it wasn't for what God was doing in the world. When God steps into the world and he restrains it. He keeps the enemy at bay to a large degree so that, now are there some things that, that you know, that happen? Yeah, we live in a fallen world, but God is totally strange. There's going to be a day when God steps back from that. And then, evil will just, you know, have a heyday. But right now, that's not happening. And God is busy, working, restraining evil in the world. You know, the last thing that I want to point out, this isn't all that God's doing, so this isn't like, well, God has a shorter resume. No, no, God's doing much more. Okay? I'm just pointing out to you some of the things that God's doing. Nothing's doing He's saving people. Jesus uh, mentioned in John 6.44 he says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. So God is busy drawing people to his Son. You know, if you ever wonder, like, <laughs> sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had this thought, but if you've ever had a thought like, no, I wonder if, I I know God loves people in general, but I wonder if God loves me. I wonder you know, this is one of those situations where God goes, well, you know, in general, I do, but holy, you know, what <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, no. The reason you can know that's not true is this: if you have any desire to pursue God, the only reason you do is because He has first drawn you to Him, and if He had first drawn you to Him, you wouldn't have that desire. And so the very fact that you have a desire there, you can know, I am personally loved by God. He is drawing me to himself. And so he's busy doing that. If you look in Romans eight thirty, right there, it says, And these whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So God is in the business not only of calling us to himself, but of justifying us before himself and of helping us to learn to live life in such a way that we really glorify him in the process as well. So God's busy doing all those things. The second aspect of work like that you see is we work because we are made in God's image. See, you don't work because well, well you got to go to work to pay the No, you work because you were made in the image of God, and God is a worker. God says in, in um, Genesis one twenty six, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So if you're one who takes care of creeps, we do. Uh, God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. As we work, one of the things we do is we fulfill a part of who we are. And we really reflect God to others. We really fulfill a part of who we are, and we reflect God to others. Um... As you see it both there in Genesis 2.15, God puts man in the garden. He puts him to work. This is before the fall. He puts him to work. Thus, what you see is this: work can bring purpose and meaning and fulfillment in our life. It is purposeful, but it's not the purpose of our life. Work is purposeful, but it's not the purpose. In fact, your purpose is to know, love, and glorify God. That's your purpose. God wants you to know him. He wants you, as you get to know him, to really love him. And then he wants you to really glorify him. That's a word, you know, I mean, honestly in scripture, the word glorify, the word really means to reveal. You reveal him. So you really show who he is and and what he's like. So our purpose is to do that. Um, Jeremiah 9, 23 and twenty four is a good reference on that. I didn't spell it out, but you know, Jeremiah says, "Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast of his might, let not the rich uh, man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of riches, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness and justice and righteousness in the earth, for I delight in these things," declares the Lord. So, you know. Our, our purpose in life is to really know him and really show him to a world. If you make work your purpose, you have just turned it into an idol. You don't want to do that. So work of all kinds, part C right there, work of all kinds, not immoral or illegal, evidences a dignity of being made in the image of God. We are different from all the rest of creation in that. Without understanding that and without understanding that about work, then work becomes very tedious or it becomes something that we kind of think, oh, that's kind of beneath me. I don't really do that. Um, I learned that when I was in college. I, I got a job in summer working delivering all of the furniture and major appliances for this big department store. And so I would go around, you know, they would have these big trucks. We would show up really early in the morning. We would pack out these trucks and cinch it all up. And then we would go out. And this was before they had the time of, like, lifts and things like that. So I was the lift. And so, like, you know, we would wheel a refrigerator around to the back of the truck. And I would just be sitting up there like, and I would just lower it down to the ground. You know, the guy down there, the guy who was, you know, over me he would go, Oh, good job. Yeah. Good job. But I mean, I would look at this, I remember the first week or so, I began to think, This is why I'm going to college, so I don't do this. What the heck? you know? And I really honestly my attitude the first week or so that I was there, I think, Boy, these guys (laughs) they enjoy this. What the heck? You know. This is crazy. And I, I remember just having this, this is kind of the me, me attitude. You know what happened the more I worked that summer? The more I began to look and I thought, you know, this is noble work. I mean, some lady over here, many times we would go into somebody's house and it would be like this older gal or something. She'd ordered this uh, washing machine. Well, there was no way she was going to be able to, you know, you don't see many 65, 70-year-old gals walking and picking up a washing machine, moving it out of the way, and putting another one in, cranking you know, You don't see that. I mean, you don't see it much 20-year-olds. You know what I mean? I mean? You don't see that. So I looked at that, and I remember we would go in and we would help them. She'd, oh, thank you. And, You're welcome. And, you know, we would walk out there, and I began to think, you know what? This job has dignity. These guys are fulfilling something that is really worthwhile. And I drive home, and I see garbage men dumping garbage. I think, that job has dignity. And I'd, i go over and, you know, some guy would show up and he'd be a plumber and he'd be working on something and he'd pull his pants up more and I'd think, you know, that, that job has dignity. He may not have much, but you know, that job has dignity. And, and I would begin to look and I would look at all of these different things and I would realize there is no job that is like beneath. You, you know, that's, that's not right. It's not like, boy, there's good jobs and then there's those jobs. But all jobs can be jobs that are really good because they reflect the dignity that God has given us of being made in his image and being made to work. And so, very different understanding. Number two, one way that it informs our practice is that we realize the way we work matters to God. The way we work, the way we handle work, matters to God. You know, all work done with Jesus' as boss is service to Christ. All work. It doesn't matter what kind it is. You know, are you an engineer? Yeah. Well, if you engineer things in such a way that you're thinking, I want to do this in such a way that it really honors God and blesses others, that is service to Christ. You know, if you're a uh, a Work with kids and you work with kids each day and you're you know if you approach that i want to do this in such a way that jesus is really the one i'm looking to please not just whoever's giving me the paycheck but you know he's the one when you do that that is service to god and so you need to understand that as you approach work because it takes on a whole different meaning then to the it handles some things different. You look there at Colossians three seventeen. Paul's talking to the Colossians, and he says, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Then, just a little bit later in that same chapter, he says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord, rather than for men. So, you know, what you find is all work and we have, is worthy of respect, but God gives it. All the work we have, is worthy of respect. What makes work spiritual, quote-unquote, is not the nature of it. It's the origin. Who told you to do it, and who are you trying to do it? That's really what makes it. You know, it's like, I've seen people do this, and you've probably seen the same thing. I've seen people Lead things in ministry, and people go, oh, well, if it's in ministry, that is a very spiritual thing. Okay. Not necessarily. There again, it, it's John, uh, it is, um, what is the verse on that? John, um, 3 6, where Jesus says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, it's not the nature of something. That makes it spiritual. Like, Well, that's a ministry. No, that's not what makes it spiritual. It's the origin. What are you doing? So you can go into a work as a HR person, or you can go into work as a teacher, or you can go into work as a plumber, or you can go into work as whatever. It'd be a very spiritual position because you're doing it to please God. And you're doing it in such a way that you would really honor Him. So it makes a huge difference but beyond that our work may help us may help describe us but it is not the source of our identity it is not the source of our identity and my identity identity is really who you experience yourself to be um, too often somebody will ask you you know so tell me about you well I am a teacher or I am uh, an engineer am, and we think that that's who I am. That's my identity. No, 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 no. That's just something you do. And hopefully you do it based out of your design. You know, that's a plus if you can. But, you know, hopefully you do that. But that's not who you are. Your identity is not something that you achieve. It's something you receive. It's something you get from God. And so what you want to do is, you know, you want to realize that because your identity impacts everything. It impacts your self-worth, what really gives you a sense of confidence in your value. It impacts your security, um, who you think of yourself to be at the very core. It impacts your happiness, um, a sense of you know, real growth and progress in your life. All those are impacted with identity. You won't get all of those in a job. And that's where a lot of people, they keep thinking, you know what the problem is? My job is not supplying this. I need a new job. No, you need a new perspective. There's no job that's going to supply that. It was never intended to. And we keep looking kind of like the girl that's, you know, dating some guy. and He's a real putz. And she thinks, you know, I just need to put a different putz in here. And it's like, no, you need a new formula. Okay? It's not the, it's not the putzes that are being put in. It's like, you've got a whole bad formula there, you know. Get rid of that. You know, so we want to understand what, what, uh, what jobs are doing, what they want. Number three right there. One way that it informs your experience is it helps us know what to expect from work. It helps us to know what to expect from work. Now, we understand that this is from the hand of God as well. Um, you should work to adequately provide for the needs of your family. And, and that should actually do a couple of things. One, it should provide you enough to live on. Um, in First Thessalonians, Paul's talking. He said, "Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to attend to your own business and work with your hands, just as we commanded you, so that you will have, so that you will behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need." You know, the idea that we shouldn't work, you know, because ah, well, you know, work's beneath me, or you know. I've got a couple of stories, I won't even tell you those, but I've got a couple of friends that, you know, as they would be looking for jobs, it would be funny because, like, well, not really funny for them, for their family, but I mean, for them in some ways, they'd be sitting there like six months later and I'd be talking to them, did you find a job? Well, I haven't found one really that's, you know. You know, one guy told me, I'm waiting for management. <laughs> Good luck with that. You know, Jesus could come soon. Uh, you know, that, that's, uh, that's not something you need to be holding out for, friend. You know, you need to look at that and understand, yeah, no. You need a job that provides enough for you to live on. Um, Proverbs twelve eleven 11, um, Solomon says, He who tills his land will have plenty of bread. But he who pursues worthless things lacks sense. That's a nice way of saying you're stupid. You know, don't do that. You know, actually get a job that's going to provide for you. But also it also needs to be enough to give to others. Now, one of the things that's going to mean is you're going to need to learn to control your living expenses. Because guess what? The person that makes a hundred thousand dollars, you know how much they think it takes to live on. Hundred thousand dollars. That's exactly right. And guess what? The person that makes two hundred thousand dollars. How much do you think they take, think it takes to live on? Two hundred thousand dollars. And see, you know what? If you're not careful, your lifestyle will just absorb everything. So if you want to actually do what is 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 required, well, Paul says here in Ephesians four eight, he says. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. If you're going to actually have money to be able to bless others with, you're going to have to learn to control some of your living expenses. And so you're going to have to choose. That's enough. In fact, where Scripture says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. The word contentment there is actually an architectural term, and it means to set limits, to design something and set limits. And that's one of the things you have to do. If you want to be content in your life, you have to come to a farm and say, you know what, that's enough. That's enough. I don't need you know, well, if I only had a little bit more here, or a little, but you have to say, you know what, that's enough. Honestly, I've got enough. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, it'll be really helpful, helpful for you as you uh, look at that. Um, if your job is not providing this, if it's not providing enough to live on, and it's not providing enough to give, then you've got, you know, you've got a few choices. One, you need to trim your expenses, or you need to move up in the company where you're making more, or you need to move on from the company and do something uh, different there. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. In First in Corinthians 7, 21, Paul's talking there, and he's talking about people in different positions, and he slaves back then were not slaves like we think of in American history, but they tended to be people who had these uh, servitude jobs a lot of times, like they were doing things, and so they kind of agreed to move into that. And what he says is, if you came to Christ and you found yourself a slave, when you were there, that's fine, but if you can improve your life, feel free to do that. And what he's saying there is it's the same thing with us today. If you work in this job, and this job isn't really supplying what you need, feel free to make a change. Feel free to move on. You don't have to stay with something just because you know, oh, well, I took this job. You know. You don't have to do that. So that's the things. Expect it to provide your basic financial needs. Also expect it to have some toil to it. Expect it to have some toil to it. When God is speaking there in Genesis. It says, Then Adam said, Because then to Adam he said, God speaking. Because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from this. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread. So there's going to be some toil to every single job you take. Now, you can ask God for an enjoyable job. That's also a gift from him. You can ask him for that. Um, But, you know, every job you have is going to have a measure of toil to it, simply because of the fall. The last part under that, expect it to meet some needs, but not all. Um, You know, what needs will it provide? Well, it will fulfill a need to provide, a need to contribute, a need to be productive. Yeah, those are things that a job will provide, but self-esteem, meaning, purpose in life, jobs not going to do that. Tim Keller had a great quote that I read. I think it was a book um, called Every Good Endeavor, which, by the way, if you've not read that, I'd encourage you to read. It's a good book uh, that that will help you in some things on work. But he said this: success at work can go to your head. Lack of success. Can go to your heart, and boy, well, I think that's so true. If you're expecting work to meet needs for purpose and identity, boy, well, it's going to be a roller coaster. If you're doing really well, go to your head. Suddenly, because you know something at work, you know everything about everything in the world. And if you don't do well, suddenly you have nothing to offer because you're not doing well at work, and it really impacts your heart. The truth is. There's needs that work is supposed to meet, and there's needs that it never will. And understanding the proper theology of work will help you to really differentiate between those. And then fourth, and lastly, um, another way it informs our experiences, it helps us to understand work patterns and where they lead. It helps us to understand work patterns and where they lead. Work is to be done, with Jesus as the boss, you know, it really doesn't matter whose name is on the outside of the company. The one who you work to please is Jesus. So that that does some different things. Um, one, we have higher standards. You know, we actually work to please him. Why? Well, because he sees and hears everything. You know, it's not like, you know... Uh, Uh, Well, there's some things he catches, but other things he's, like, so busy out running the universe, he doesn't even keep up with us. Now, that's what we think sometimes. Surely, God's pretty busy. And so he's probably, you know, know, not going to catch us. No, he sees it all. So, therefore, when we work, we really work with higher standards, and we understand it's him that will reward things. He's the one who will reward. So, Paul says to the Ephesians, for goodwill renders service as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord. In B part right there, we can work to improve our position through diligence and faith. If you're wondering, how how do you actually move up and work? How do you actually get ahead? Well, There's, there's several things, but two of the main ones, diligence and faith. You want to be diligent. In Proverbs twelve twenty four, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the slack hand will be put to forced labor. So you want to be diligent when you're given a job to do. Do it well. Work hard. Do that. Another thing you see right there. You want to be diligent to grow in skills. In Proverbs twenty two twenty nine, it says, Do you see a man skilled at his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So you want to actually grow in skills. Figure out, okay, what are the skills that this job requires? If you don't know, ask your boss. He could probably tell you that much more than he could. Figure out what are the skills and then begin to grow in those. And then you want to trust God and not take shortcuts. You know, it's really easy a lot of times to just take shortcuts at work. To think things like, well, if I kind of just happen to mention to the boss when he's here all of the things that I'm doing that are so important that I kind of don't mention what other people are doing, and, you know, I mean, obviously, when the time comes for him to make decisions, he'll make a decision in my book. But see, then you look know at the like, what, Proverbs 27, 2, where it says, let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger, and not your own lips. And you begin to think, really? But no one else will know. How would I ever get promoted? Because the one that you look to serve knows. He sees everything. And so you don't have to worry about engineering it yourself. What you worry about is, are you working in such a way as to please him? in um, in Psalm 75 6 and 7 says, for not from the east nor from the west, nor from the desert comes exaltation. But God is the judge. He puts one up he places another down. Promotion and exaltation comes from God. So if you want to be promoted, one of the things you have to do is do you qualify yourself before God for that. Well, the real answer to that is, you know, humility. The path to promotion is humility. Um, Proverbs 29-23, Solomon says, A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. In fact, Jesus speaking in Matthew 23 says, Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You know, we tend to think, Well, if I exalt myself, I'll be exalted. No. <laughs> if you exalt yourself, you'll be put low. If you humble yourself. And... There again, that's humility is simply to think of yourself in right relation with God and with others. To think of yourself rightly there. So, now the way, another lesson you learn from that, you know, the way we use our words really matters at work. We could do a whole day on just things that you say to your boss, things you don't say to your boss. Uh, things you say to your coworkers, things you don't say to your coworkers, things that you say to people, and things you should never say to people. We, we could just talk about that. But maybe that's for another day. But how you use your words really matters. Um, Proverbs 12 it says, A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his words. So you want to really watch. Um, Proverbs 14, 23, it says, In all labor, there is a profit. Mere talk is only a profit. Now, my father, my father was not a teacher growing up, but he taught me a lot of things. Um, One of the things was, I remember one day he told me, he said, you know, I want you to go work on such and such. Oh, Dad, come on. He's like, what? I said, no, you know, that's going to take like an hour and a half. And I had all this stuff I was going to do, which would probably go goof off. But, you know, I I can't do it. That's going to take, and I went on and on, you know, kind of telling him and whining. He's standing there. He's listening. He said, "Huh." Now you have five minutes less to still get the same job done. And I thought, oh. Uh, and so I went to work, you know. I didn't realize till later on that my dad had struck upon a biblical principle here. You know, he didn't know that. I guarantee he wouldn't have quoted that. But, uh, you know, he had struck upon one that, uh, you know, mere talk leads only to poverty. So a lot of times, from are thinking about all that you have to get done, we have two choices jump in and get it done. Or sit around and talk about all the stuff you've got to get done. And guess what you have to do after that? All the stuff you have to get done. So, you know, use your words wisely. D, work hard to see results. Work hard to see results. Now, one of the things you really need to do is you really need to develop a good work ethic. Um, In Ecclesiastes, he says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You need to really develop a good work ethic. And men and women, I will be really straightforward with you. Um, in this generation, currently, there are many folks that would not recognize the work ethic if it were to bite them in the posterior, because they have just not grown in that. You need to develop a work ethic. That needs to be something that you really work on. You need to learn to work hard, and there's a lot of benefits from that. But you need to really learn to do that, and it is very countercultural because we always try to figure out how can I not work harder. Now, some people say, "I think you ought to work smarter, not harder." And I think, "Tell me what kind of work you do." And they tell me, think, that's not smart or hard." You know, I mean, it's neither one. You know, you obviously need to learn to do both. You know, but you need to learn to have a real work ethic. Um, Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent will be made fat. You know, it's not just your desire for something. It's desire plus diligence. So you need the world to work hard. Another thing, work and then see reward. Publish 22, a worker's appetite works for him, for his hunger urges him hard. Have you ever had someone that you've hired for a job and you've paid them up front? I made that mistake once. You know how long it took to get the job done? It never got done. I mean, they come, well, you know, we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. You know what? They did never got the job done. Well, they've already been paid. And you know that same thing's true with you. I mean, even though you're known and, or at least we think of ourselves that way. You know, we think, well, someone just gave me the money up front. But you know what? You're not there to motivated when you have got the money up front. But if you know, if I don't finish this job, I don't get paid. Now you're motivated. You know, you tend to work. And so, you know, remember, it's always work and then reward, not vice versa. Um, People who don't work hard, they actually destroy work, you know, um, there again in Proverbs, he who is slack in his work is brother he him who destroys. Don't be lazy. That's one of the big ones. Don't be lazy. Uh, Solomon says, a fool throws his hands and consumes his own flesh. You know, don't be lazy. The last one. Is, obey your boss. Obey your boss. Obey when they're present and obey when they're not. You know, you, you want to do that when, when Paul's talking, he says, Slaves be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers. I have a friend that worked for a landscape company one time. And he got there and he started working and he was just kind of you know, going steady because he knew they were going to be working all day long They were digging this huge ditch. And what he would see is these guys that worked with him when the boss would come around, they'd be and they'd be digging like crazy. And when the boss left, they'd be standing there talking. And he would just be and he was working when the boss was there when the boss wasn't. And the boss came up to him at one point and goes, Hey, uh, Randy, you might want to pick it up a little bit. Do you see how hard these other guys are working? <laughs> yes, yeah, I do. I'll work on that. You know, what he didn't say was, you know, these guys are chumps. Whenever you walk off, then they don't do anything, you know. But, you know, you're, you're going to probably be misunderstood in some jobs if you just continue to work. In fact, you know, you'll also be thought of as, you know, this brown-noser type person or whatever by you continue to work. But work in such a way that whether the boss is there or whether he's not, he knows he can really trust you. So that's the second part there. Be trustworthy and submissive. Paul tells Titus to be subject to their own masters in everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, so that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. When he says that, urge bonds slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, everything is pretty inclusive. You ever thought about that? Sometimes we want to figure out just now, what should I obey them in? Um, everything. Pretty simple. You know, Now, but did you see the why there? Why do you do that? Why do you obey the laws? So that you may adorn the gospel of Christ to others around you. What you see is submission on your part is an invitation to lead on their part. So you submit yourself to leadership and it is an invitation for them to really lead out. And then be respectful even when you are treated wrongly, be respectful. Peter says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. And then in verse 20 says, he says, For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience towards God a person bears up under sorrows from suffering unjustly, for so what credit is there if you sin and are harshly treated and endure it with patience? But if you do what is right and suffer for it patiently and endure it, this finds favor with God. What you began to see is, you know, you're going to have some situations at work that just aren't going to be just. They're just not going to be right. That's okay. How you respond to those makes all of a difference. You need to respond in such a way that you're remembering who the boss ultimately is and you're remembering who you're trying to please. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first began to dig into the Scriptures to find out more about work, oh my gosh, this was life-changing for me because I began to realize work, work is part of what we're designed to do. It's part of who we're made to be because we... We reflect God in this. And so work isn't this curse. It's not, I gotta work. But it's like, we get to work. That's who we are. And what you'll find is this that little part right there at the bottom. A right understanding of work changes tedium, which just means monotonous and hard and all sorts, to diem. For diem, it's this Latin hymn that really means, you owe God, we praise. And so whenever you begin to live life in such a way that you understand, what God has to say about work and how it works, what you see is your whole perspective on work changes. And you begin to see, I get to do this as a way of really honoring God, laboring with Him, and reflecting Him. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Well, I know we're probably out of time, but we went long. Sorry about that. Let me ask We've got one minute. Any questions that you guys have? At all that you... Yes. Yeah. I am um, we really talking about um, injections. Um, there's a quote I think by Maya Angelou that I've been working But so, when is, "Stand up for one, you stand up for, many. So I'm conflicted with to this because sometimes I can see that maybe you should just let it pass, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, I'm seeing sometimes. We have to think about it and say, Lord, should I fight or should I surrender? Because sometimes I think we are called to stand up and voice it, but in a very professional way. So Yeah, there are times but you're gonna find there are some kinds like that. Usually you usually don't have a choice between Peter or Michael but I'll go to Peter. Uh, but you know, there are times that that is true, like, for instance, uh, who we heard about seven weeks ago, William Wilberforce, you know, when you look at him, like, God called him to really speak out against an injustice that was going on there. That's not usually our issue. at work. It tends to be something more like the process. I need you to work extra hours. Yeah. I must stand up. Well, it's like, no, you need to actually just stuff it up and work. It out. You know, Or it tends to be something like, you know, I want you to work in this area. That is amazing. Or, no, I don't want to work in that area. This is the area I love. Uh, How dare they tell me I need to work in this area? Well, you know the reason I mean, they told you that? They're the boss. And so, you know what? They get to decide those things. And so, there is, it is true. When there is injustice, things, you know, if you see people throughout history, whether it's Wilberforce, Mark Luther King, others that have stood up for things that were just wrong. And you didn't even do that. That is rough. That's not what Peter's talking about. Peter's talking about you know, when you're at work and you feel like you're getting the short end of the stick sometimes. You know what? Suck it up. You're not going to do as good as you're looking for. But that's a good point. Very good point. Others? Any others? Yes. Go ahead. Okay. Good thing. Right. When she has college, you know, I'm always told about her parents that put I'm mm-hmm. cook, go and go and explore and stay on the lab and, you know, go, see a normal college. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, is there, when I look up at that, like, this is this going to be a stage that I've been working with, I've always experienced it and not worked with, I don't know what, or is there some peaceful? Um, of I have no idea with this, but don't know. Well, as with all of us, you always measure against scripture and you look at it. I mean you know, I was one, I've tried nothing that studies getting you know, away the way of my education when I was in school. And so, you know, <laughs> I think there 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 are times that yeah, you know what, it's okay to do some other things. But what you also understand is this. Like I, I've seen people say, Oh, what? I can't have my kid work. They really need to do well in school. Look at the stats on that. What you'll find is most of the time, people that work part time while they're in school do better than people that don't work. Statistically, across the board, people that have jobs perform better. Why? They realize I've got this limited time to study. I better hit it study. For people that don't work, think ah, I can do that later. I can do that later. Don't go, Oh, later's And you know, people that have jobs, they know I've got to get it done. And so it helps you to organize your time. So there is some truth to that. I mean, enjoy the things that are there and, and, and live life. Measure the advice. And then, you know, don't just make it about work. I mean, there's more to life than work. So much more. But work's the fun part of life too. It's not about that. Alright, I, I, I hear the kids lose, which means they've they, they re, they released the inmates. So, uh, so let me dismiss. Let me pray real quick for us when we out of here. Father, thanks again. Pray that you would help us take these things. of in Jesus. Thanks, guys.